0: This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of the Team Stripes Podcast. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nat. Nat, what's up, dude?
0: hey man how's it going uh dude not a whole lot western michigan is starting to uh dude it's fall in western michigan so it's beautiful outside um but yeah man working some uh got to work some uh college club this last weekend davenport's looking uh no calvin's looking really good this year for the ACHA team. um got to skate a couple of uh another guy got to skate uh his his first uh time wearing the bands and then um the dude here who got picked up out of the combine to skate the HL Luke Fia. I got to skate with him, have fun. Um, tell him he's he was all nervous about his first games. Like, yeah, you're going to be fine, dude. You know that we'll sounds see. great, man. Yeah, man, it well, was good. It was a good week it, and weekend.
1: It's been beautiful here in Florida too. Um, everyone had to bust out their their full parkas because it hit 65 degrees. <laughs> everyone was uh, everyone was in beanies and parkas and uh, had the firewood going. Um, oh, wow. you know, ty- typical Floridian, you know, bull crap.
0: Yep, uh, yep.
1: Once, once it gets below 70, it, it turns into, I think the meme is uh, Han Solo weather. You know, the girls yeah. with the, with the long sleeve white shirts and the vests and the, the Uggs and all that stuff. So, it, but it's honestly, it's been super nice. Um, last weekend I had, um, Tampa and Michigan state on Friday night. That was honestly a pretty boring game. Uh, Michigan State won. Saturday I was off, and then Sunday I did a couple of USPHL games down in Fort Myers. I worked with a guy named uh, Nick Winkler, who I used to work with in the SP. We hadn't skated a game together in 12 years, I think.
0: Oh, Something wow. That, like that, dude, that's years. cool. That's cool. It's,
1: it's been a while since him and I skated together. He uh, just recently moved down here and wanted to get back into reffing, So we got out there, had a little fun. Um, went up and down the ice called some penalties had a couple of standalone majors in my games um, today spent the day going through clips for college hockey south uh, getting our weekly department of player safety video ready uh, so that'll be out for my chs guys tomorrow but uh, yes yeah, everything's do, good everything is good do, oh and hockey's do. back right
0: yeah 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 Do yeah we watched uh, yeah some opening uh the, the nhl's back for a week so
1: uh-huh. Yep. Connor Bedard got his first goal and he's yeah. already getting hit up on social media by a couple of only uh, OnlyFans girls. So good for him. Of course. Hey, you know
0: what? Like, hey, whatever. Dude, I loved how like he totally got. Can you imagine what it's like taking your first face off in the NHL and it's against Sidney Crosby, right? So it's right. like the opening night, you know, and and uh Kelly Sullivan did him a solid, but it was still it was like, man drop the puck like dude there's no way everyone's like oh is he gonna win there's no way you're gonna win man no, that you're not
1: winning that face off <laughs>
0: yeah right that dude's heart was in his stomach you know he was he probably didn't have any idea what was going on at all like yeah. kelly something's like just look at kelly like, uh thanks man uh, uh <laughs> you know like it's, 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 it's and
1: then just the iconic picture like I, I years from now like that picture is going to be i, I think is going to mean a lot is that picture of it's bedard's back He's facing Sid, yeah, and uh, it's just it was it was Sid and the new kid, right? Yeah, like cool. I just thought it's it was such cool. a great picture. And then uh, cool. I, I know uh, my roommate is a huge Bruins fan, so we watched them do their 100th anniversary celebration. They brought out all the uh, the big stars: uh, Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, Bergeron, uh, Chara, Tim Thomas was out there, so that was cool to see that's cool That's cool. and uh speaking of boston i think we're going to bring on our guest so our guest tonight is a awesome awesome referee great guy uh if any of you have the pleasure of jumping on the uh, monday night zoom calls with gino you guys know who this gentleman is um great referee great communicator and he's an awesome stand-up comedian so joining us tonight is uh mark riley mark how you doing buddy
2: I'm good, boys. How are we doing?
0: How'd you get into officiating? You know, why'd you get into officiating? What, what? Tell us your, your story. What's your story?
2: Uh, well, um, I played through college, played uh, okay. a very fine institution outside of Boston called Curry. And, okay. uh, and yeah, it was a tough school to get into when it's locked. And so I, uh, I played there, hurt my back my senior year. And my brother had been refereeing. My brother's six years older than me. He had been refing forever, college, high school, the whole thing. And he said, "Why don't you get in a referee? You know, refing." And I said, "I hate refs." And (laughs) well, that's (laughs) a perfect
1: reason why to get into it. Exactly. We all hate them,
2: right? Yeah. I was the leader of the misconduct um, for sure, and uh, I think I got thrown out of squirt games. Even you know, know running what They
1: say the best referees are goalies and goons, and I wasn't
2: (laughs) a goalie. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay. I knew I was a dirty player. I know that. Uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of looked into it finally and realized you can make a career out of it. So I went to uh, the USH, uh, USA Hockey um, regional camp up in Lake Placid and came back from that, and worked a year of high school. And it was kind of funny. They They put you on a probation year so I could only do JV hockey. And uh, I did two varsity games. Uh, Marty McDonough gave me two varsity games. And I even said to him, Marty, I'm not supposed to do varsity. He was like, I'm the commissioner. You'll go and do these <laughs> games. So um, <laughs> okay. And at yeah. the end of um, that season, I went to the national camp up in Lake Placid. And I got hired out of there by Scott Zingerman to work at USHL uh, full time and the Central League. Um, the old central league. So I went out and, uh, Chris Rooney and I, uh, number five in the show. Um, number one in our hearts. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he, him and I lived in Iowa, uh, Des Moines the whole season. And, um, and, uh, I take credit for teaching him how to iron a dress shirt. Uh, (laughs) Um, <laughs> You're like,
0: not for you know how to drop a puck, not for how to call anything. No, man, I that dude knows how to drop, iron a dress shirt because you know yep. because his it, mom wasn't there and you taught him
2: exactly. Um,
0: <laughs> so love it.
2: We, you know, at the full season there. Um, did two swings down through the central league and uh, you know, had a blast. Um, and really. Uh, you know, it, it went from there to, uh, what do you call it, uh, select camp. They they called it select camp back in the day in Colorado Springs. There was 12 of us that went out there. Uh, Ian Walsh being one of them, who was in the NHL. Um, uh, Jimmy Combs, who had a great career down south, uh, ran yep. the Southern Pro League, I think, Definitely for a I while. For yeah,
0: yeah. I, that's who I worked for in the Southern Pro yeah, League. Yeah. He's awesome.
2: Uh, he was out there, Johnny O'Brien, a bunch of guys. You know, there was 12 of us. And um, and from there, Andy Van Helaman to, had taken over the East Coast League and hired me out of there full time. Um, so I lived in Raleigh for two seasons and then Richmond for a season. And then the last year, I kind of flew back and forth. Were
1: those the days when I-10 had all the teams, uh, Jacksonville,
2: Pensacola, all that? Oh, yeah. Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Pensacola. Um matter of fact you, yeah, I think
1: Mobile. Mobile.
2: Uh Baloxi. Yep. Yeah. and then all the way out in Mafia. The Sea Wolves. Um and yeah, and then you had the Louisiana Ice Gators, New Orleans Brass, Baton Rouge,
1: Kingfish. At, at oh. that time it should have just been called the I-10 hockey league. Dude, well, I,
0: it- I would have loved, like when I was living in Pensacola, I would have loved, man, like guys talked about how awesome that time, that time frame was with all those teams.
2: Oh well, and it went from there all the way up to Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, and Cincinnati, and then all the way over to um, uh, like Richmond and Chesapeake icebreakers. Uh, they were they played right outside of Washington D.C. So it was like all over the place. Um, yeah. And and uh, so I worked there. Uh, I worked full time in the Coast League. And um, matter of fact, one of the speaking of I ten, Johnny O'Brien was my, my linesman. We traveled a lot together and lived together. Him and I did a game in Jacksonville at noon and then jumped in the car and drove to Tallahassee and did a seven o'clock drop that <laughs> night. <laughs> no way. Two pro games in one day. And, um, and because we like to uh, partake after the games, um, you know, in the, in the beverages, we... Um, we made sure that both games were really quick. One was like <laughs> two hours and four minutes and the Tallahassee <laughs> game was like two hours and three minutes. And I think I had a total of five penalties. And oh. uh, <laughs> what a great day that was. Oh uh, man. how many did you say I missed it? Um, like five penalties. Five penalties over yeah. two games in one day. <laughs> we had well, we did the game in Jacksonville Friday night. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, Andy Andy told us to, you know, go right home after the game, and of course we didn't listen. <laughs> and uh, I think I called the game misconduct in it like three in the morning. And then, uh, cause back in the day you'd call and leave a message a- on the office phone and he'd get it in the morning. And then, uh, so we got up and out, had breakfast and banged out two games. And then we had a game that Sunday and, uh, I think we were in, um, mobile or somewhere like that, uh, on Sunday. So we had four games in three days. It was uh, quite a weekend. Quite a weekend.
1: Oh my goodness. I'm just, I'm just thinking about how tired I am after lining one game.
2: I don't know how <laughs> doing yeah. two in a day. Well, let's just say I was in better shape than I am now back then. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, think that's... we all were. Yeah. yeah. Back, back in the awesome. day I was, uh, all I did was, you know, lift and skate. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and, and I loved it. You know, it was, it was awesome. Throwing, so you know, in
1: those days, what was that? What was the league like?
2: You know, being being full time and and living it. It it was it it was actually really good hockey. Like they were all affiliated with the NHL teams, Mm -hmm. and you know it was interesting because the North was all skating, and then you had the South, which was all just rock'em sock'em, and then the East was kind of like a combination. They had like the Hampton Roads Admirals with John Brophy and yeah Brophy with with Rick Vive and like so they. They could beat you up or skate you out of the building. They, they were like the, okay. I think they were the best division out of the three. And uh, I did a lot of the games in there because I lived in Raleigh. But we'd take trips, you know, we'd take three trips down south, a couple trips up north. You know, we went all over the place. Um, and uh, and that year, in those years, um, the NHL sent six of us out to the uh, to the Western Hockey League. Um okay. We went out and did um, uh, we we do two sh- two swings out there and do three games uh, like Spokane, Tri Cities, Seattle, Portland. Um, one one trip I went out I did a game in Boise, Idaho, uh, the Steelheads in the West and, the West Coast Hockey League okay. in the day Tacoma, and then also in Boise. Um, so I've been to forty five of the fifty states, which is kind of cool, you know. That's and it's awesome. Cool. Pretty much just dropped, for hockey. Well, hot that's a combination of hockey and kind of uh, you know, comedy and just life in general. Okay, uh, I've dropped a puck in probably a good 80 percent of them, you know, for some one reason or another. That's cool. That's cool. Was cool, though. Like, you'd have a game with no, like those, those two games down south, I, I had five penalties in two games, yeah. but then I did hold a penalty minute record, uh, in the league for a long time for about 10 years, uh, 304 minutes, in one game in Richmond. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hampton Roads versus Richmond. And I mean, uh,
0: well, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of from the Hampton Roads area and all I can, I can totally see that like in the ECHL. I mean, you're talking, you know, the, the late nineties and all like that. They were insane. That was, I mean, those are the games cause you would get, I mean, that's a home team crowd, right? Cause th- those ranks that time, that's only an hour apart from each other. So, yeah. You would get, you know, if if Richmond is playing Norfolk, like half the building is is Richmond that just drove down, right, or in Norfolk, or half the building in Richmond is Norfolk fans that just drove up. So you're
2: guaranteed to have a show. Well, oh, it was insane, and and the Richmond rink, So they played at the Richmond Coliseum, yeah, and they did average seven, eight thousand people. They had a hot tub right next to the uh, the glass. I love that. And they yep. have like three girls in the hot tub and they call like some lucky fan down to jump in the <laughs> uh <laughs> Chaos, right? Yeah. And that particular game was crazy because one of the regular linesmen didn't show up. Uh-oh. So it's me, um, my room, my other roommate was Mark Hamlet. Um, Hammer. The Hammer. Hammer. Uh, yeah. When I met him, he said, I have two. I have one nickname, Hammer or Da Hammer. And, yeah, uh, Hammer's <laughs> a
0: great too. guy.
2: And he's awesome. I love the guy. Uh, we call him the hillbilly, but, um, yeah, he, yeah. So it was him and I, uh, but I flew into Roanoke. I was home for 10 days, flew into Roanoke, drove to Richmond. I get there and you know, the linesman doesn't show and Andy Van Helleman's there. And I said, Andy, you're going to throw on the wheels, come out of retirement. He's like, I'll be right back. Comes in with borrowed skates and black sweatpants. <laughs> no and way. I, I said, Andy, you, uh, you reffing? He goes, no, no, your game. I'm just a linesman. He goes, but don't tell anyone who I am. And I uh, <laughs> <okay. laughs> No way. So I think he got announced over the loudspeakers like Ray Scampanello or someone like, <laughs> <laughs> right? And oh. the, the players knew he, he was someone, but didn't know who he was, right? Yeah. And they kept saying, Ross, who's it? I go, I don't know. Who he's some filling. I, I don't know who he is. And uh, he'd go into every scrum like, you know, all right, boys, okay, we're done. And everyone's just looking at him like, who is this old guy? You're like, you know? And <laughs> wearing um, sweatpants. And what's crazy is I had like a spear and I had like a major cross check. Like the game was just one of those games, you know, yeah. on the edge. So the second period, they get some local guy that said he did some college hockey and and he takes over lining. And, and of course, in that period, nothing, nothing sparked it. The goalie tied it up, and next thing you know, it was five on five. And the goalies fought too. And Aww. he cut it went on for no lie, 20, 25 minutes. This mind ball.
0: <sighs> I believe and
2: it. We have um, the president of the league and Andy's up in the stands watching. And I'm uh the the local guy had no idea what he was doing. So he would like break up a fight and and Hammer would take a guy off the ice, and then the other guy would just let the guy go and go to another fight. So it was just, it was never ending. And oh, I took out my riot pad. The only time I ever used my riot pad and I drew a smiley face on it. And I wrote, I'm effed. Um, <laughs> so 25 minutes, I go over the box. The guys are like, what do you have? And I just show them the riot pad. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I got. Call upstairs. Everyone's out. And um, everyone got like double gamish conducts. And oh, wow. uh, was, I threw out, but we threw out 12, 12 people. Both goalies and, and five skaters. And um and I'm thinking It's the easiest yeah, way to do it. Just take all twelve guys on the ice. They yeah. see you later. Yeah, I don't and I don't know if I did it wrong or right or what, you know. And uh yeah. Andy comes in the room, we go off the ice, Andy comes in, he's like, that a boy Riles, throw them all the F out. And uh <laughs> and that was it. I knew I did the right thing. Three hundred and four minutes. So it gets even better at the third period. This kid for Richmond, Kimby Daniels was his name. I gave him a penalty and he swung a stick at me, missed my face by like an inch, slammed the glass next to my uh, my head. So I gas him and give him the game. Well, that game is conduct, put me in the record book and gave me no. the 304 minutes. Nice. So later on that night, we're out at the bar having dinner and we went to the same place the players went and there's Kimby Daniels sitting over there. So Andy has the waitress send him a glass of milk with a note, right, that says "Thanks for putting me in the record book." <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, What, was, yeah,
0: that, thought, what, what was that? Was that the Capitol Ale House that everyone used to go to? I can't oh, remember.
2: I, oh. you know what? I couldn't tell you if I. Uh, oh man. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the names of the bars. Um, yeah. I remember going there, but a lot yeah. of nights I remember going home. But, uh, um, but yeah, that was a crazy night. And Andy never gave me the tape, so I ne- we had VHS tapes back then, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, and Andy never, Andy never gave me the tape because he was on it, and he didn't want anyone seeing him out there skating. So um, <laughs> someday I gotta call him and say. So A tape. that record did get broken. Ten years. On, ten years later. Yep.
1: February. Yep. So you have three hundred and four with Richmond Renegades and Hampton Roads Admirals on November twentieth, nineteen ninety six. That's the yeah. one. Ten years later, the Victoria Salmon Kings and the Fresno Falcons. Hit three hundred and six penalty minutes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> crazy, right? I, Riley, I think you got to go back through the game tape and try to
2: find a, a penalty to add to it. <laughs> well, I know they made one up just to get in there. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they're and, not wrong. And what are the two teams'
1: names? The, the Victoria Sam- Salmon Kings and the Fresno Falcons. Two teams that don't exist. Like
0: Victoria and Fresno. That's not even like. I mean, that's not. That's they. That's, they don't that's have that's a light.
2: They don't have the right to be in the record books,
0: right? Yeah.
2: Well, and what's crazy is, so the next time Hampton plays Richmond, I have the game. Oh, of course, it's in Richmond again, right? Almost fourteen thousand people packed the place. Oh, I'm sure. Here, you know, they think they're going to see a a yard sale, and I think I had like four or five penalties, and it was up and down. It was one of the best games I did all year. And oh, wow. people were all pissed off because there were no fights. Yeah. yeah, they're like,
0: what the hell is going on? Like, this is supposed to be a brawl. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And I think that was the night I ran out in the ice with my skate guards on. <laughs> and there was a guy that stood right near the door, and I, I gave him a fist pump and hit the ice running and just absolutely you know, went flying. And uh, the place went nuts. And so um, I did not, needless to say, I did not impress anyone in the hot tub that night so
1: oh <laughs> uh, the hot tubs are awesome. the best when when i was in the southern pro league they uh they had one in biloxi and it was always uh, yeah was so fun
2: oh those hot tubs, t- man. you see stuff in the minor leagues that like you just can't make up yeah. you know, and, oh, know. Uh, you
0: Dude, just it, it was a travesty when richmond so when when richmond and norfolk left right so richmond stayed in the echl and Norfolk went to the AHL and then Richmond ended up going down to the the SP hockey, hockey like hockey fans haven't been the same in southeast virginia since those two teams left in fact there's not hockey in Richmond anymore which is terrible i mean you're telling me like i mean 20 years ago like you're saying 14,000 fans in Richmond right and and that that's i mean that's incredible that's awesome it just doesn't exist anymore
2: Back then, most of the rinks drew pretty well. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had your your kind of your duds like Raleigh, the Ice Caps. You know, they weren't a huge draw. They would get like maybe three thousand, four thousand. Yeah. That you know, um, but like Louis, the ice skaters would get fourteen a game. I was game. just going to yeah. ask about Lafayette. Yeah, they'd get fourteen a game. Well, back in the USHL, Omaha used to get like ten grand. Yeah, uh, yeah. game back when they were playing in the old. Uh, it was an old horse barn. That okay. uh, they played in. Uh, they'd get good crowds. i tell you, one of the best barns was Des Moines because uh, it was like literally a barn and it held about just shy of 4,000. And it would, there would be like, if it held 3,900, there'd be 4,000 in there. I mean, yeah. and it was crazy, absolutely crazy loud. Like, the, I mean, they lived for their Buccaneers, you know? Yeah. Uh, It was chaos. And, um, and when they played Omaha, it was, you know, it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, so that, you know, and actually the captain of Omaha back in the day was Jerry O'Keefe and he's, um, one of the assistants at Northeastern now. Okay. Uh, I ran into him, um, uh, actually at a restaurant up north on the North shore of Boston. And we were like, you look familiar. And, (laughs) <laughs> we finally talked and he's like, I played Omar. I'm like, that's it, you were the captain there. he was like, Yeah, that's right. Nice. It was funny.
1: Funny. Yeah. Nice. The, the I have heard like just going back to the coast in, in that time frame, just the stories from the guys that got to, you know, experience that up and down I ten, whether it be the fourteen thousand Lafayette or skating in Tallahassee, which it still blows my mind that there was a team in Tallahassee. Um I didn't did they
2: play in the basketball building for Florida State? Um I that sounds about right. I remember it being a cool building. It was it was actually a really cool building. Um and then uh, obviously Pensacola and just I yeah, uh and great and- rink. Pensacola was great and um the apartment so the league had an apartment in Biloxi, Pensacola, Raleigh, uh Cincinnati. I think that was the only four apartments we had, and Pensacola was like a condo, and it was right on the beach. Yeah, yeah. It was was just stupid going down Uh,
1: I've I've heard some stories that shall not be repeated on that on this podcast (laughs) about that apartment. (laughs) Uh,
0: It's good
1: time.
2: (laughs) You know what was
0: cool about that? You know the stories from that league and everything too. Is that that's the kind of hockey that that really really taught people how to call a game and how to manage a game, right? Because you're, you're talking about like, you may not know what's happening, right? You, you, like you said, Hey, one night I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I've got the record for the most penalty minutes ever called. And then the next time those two teams meet, I got five penalties, you know, and it's up and down.
2: You never know what you're going to get. Never. And, and you just, you saw things that were just absolutely bizarre and, you know, and, and you had, some full time linesmen that were like outstanding. And then you had local guys who some of them were great and some of them were terrible. You know, um, and you never, you know, sometimes you're out in an island there. You know, uh I was in Charlotte and um I I spin to come out of the zone and, and people cut in front of me. And next thing you know, the the defenseman that was carrying the puck for Charlotte had a big gash on his face. And um I think they were playing forget who the plan goes in a river. Oh, the uh, river frogs. Um, and he goes in and and buries the puck for a goal, and so I have I don't know like I didn't see it right, and then, talk about communication. So I go over to my linesman. I had two local linesmen and then any of my full time guys, and um, I said to the first one, "You saw that high stick, right?" And he goes, "Oh, I didn't see anything." And I was like, "Oh God!" And I look at the next one and I go you saw that high stick, right? And he goes, oh, no, I didn't have to look at it. I was like, oh, God. Oh no. John Marks was the coach of Charlotte Hockey Hall of Fame, right? And he had a really deep voice, and he's on the dasher, just absolutely losing his mind. So I went over, and there's probably 8,000 people that are also losing their mind. And I go over, and I go, John, I go, we messed up. I'm going to give you about 20, 25 seconds, but when I say you're done, you got to get off the dasher. And he lit me up from the dasher, and after about 20, 25 seconds, I said, John, we're done. And he jumped down, he gave me one last FU, and walked away, and on we went with the game. (laughs) uh, I like it. Yeah, and he came in after after the game. He came in the locker room, and he said, you know, Rouse, that's why I like you, you get it. And uh, he goes, You should have thrown me out of that game. And I go, Well, how could I throw you out? I messed up. And uh, luckily, they won the game. I don't know if you'd feel that way if that was the game winner, but yeah. yeah. But yeah. But that's that's an example, right?
1: Like of eating one. Yeah. Yeah. you, You didn't see it. The lines wouldn't say they didn't see it, but you know it happens. So you just go over to the coach and say, Hey, you know what? Feel free to yell at me. Yeah. You know, make it I make deserve- it look good for the fans and your players just yeah. go for it and then when enough's enough we'll call it a day and we'll walk away from each other
0: yeah and then we'll and, and then we'll go have a
2: beer later it, it was a good lesson too um you know that you can't make stuff up if you don't see it like i knew what happened everyone in the building knew what happened yeah but i didn't see it and so there was, you know, and we didn't have replay back then. We were on VHS tapes. Right. So <laughs> yep. yeah. Well, we were on a blockbuster to get our videos to watch. Right. So, <laughs> right. um, so we, like, I didn't see it. So I couldn't, I couldn't call it. And so it, it was a good lesson and you can't make it up, you know, cause the other team knew I didn't see it. And all I needed was a linesman to go, Oh yeah, it was definitely high stick number eight and we would have been good, but, Neither of them got what I, you know, they didn't get what I was trying to sell them. And uh, I always say, linesman, listen to the way you're asked the question. Because if, you know, the ref might tell you what he wants. Yeah. And all you have to do (laughs) is nod or, you know. And between the lines. You know, I always told my linesman in pregame meetings, I said, you'll know if I, you know, want an answer. Or you'll know I don't know I really need your input. Just in the way I ask you the question you'll know. And, um, that night, apparently they forgot, but what <laughs> well, you you do know,
1: you want to do? They weren't picking up
2: what you were putting down. That's for you. sure. No, not at all.
0: They had but a couple of sport was... games to get to next.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they,
2: they, they probably had trouble in those too, but, uh, it was, uh, that, you know, it was an interesting league and you learned a lot. And, um, I wrote a movie script about it. I got a movie script called Penalty Box, and it basically follows refs through a whole season who are all trying to get to the NHL. And they're all based on. Uh, Hammer's got a character in there. Johnny O'Brien's in there. Myself, um, Richie Leonard. Uh, Richie Leonard was a rookie, um, my uh, second year in the in the East Coast League, and he lived with us in Raleigh. And um, so one of the one of the characters is based on him. And I don't even know if he knows that, but.
1: Um, <laughs> of course. Well, now we got to figure out how to get this movie made.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, I, I I only need about 500 grand and I can make it myself. Yeah. I'm about to say, yeah, we just,
0: just, you just need a, need an angel to come down and.
1: Yeah. Let's see. There's
0: well,
2: 26,000 no, no hockey like, referees. <laughs> one inch away from like the right person reading it. Like I, I played street hockey with Dennis Leary in his backyard down in Connecticut a bunch of times. He would uh, love this movie. But if I bring up that I have a movie I want him to read, he'll kick me out. Oh, of course. At that time, it's all about hockey, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it just, it's a weird, it's like getting hit by lightning when you hit a scratch ticket at the same time, you know, just getting in yeah, the yeah. right person at the right time. But I have faith. It's, it, we wrote it a while ago, my buddy and I, so um, I have faith something, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll happen at some point because it's, it's really good. It's funny. You know, it's really funny. Um, nice, but I had the benefit of learning from Andy Van Helmond, who was the greatest ref ever to skate.
0: I mean, right. Like number one, no one will ever, no one will ever have that number again.
2: Yeah, no, he, he was, um, he was just amazing. And he, so much knowledge, so calm. Um, and he's the one that taught me how to talk to coaches and players. Cause I came in, you know, when I went out to the USHL, I was just some, you know, Boston kid with an attitude that thought, you know, I was tough and I was always right. And I told plenty of people, I said things to coaches and players. I never, you know, I would, I would never say now and I would ream people out if I heard them say it. And, and then I learned that's not the way you do it. And, um, you know, and there's a right way and a wrong way. And that's who taught me. was Andy. He taught me all those things. And, um, and he was fun to work for. Like he, you know, I think I got fined twice by him, but he never took the money. Um, <laughs> he told me I was fine. I used the wrong—I used the stick gauge that was broken in Birmingham. Oh, so Birmingham's playing. Birmingham's playing. Uh, Birmingham was the site of the Valentine's Day massacre too, but that's a different game. Um, Dennis DeRosa was the coach of Birmingham, and him and I did not get along. And Ted Sayer was the coach of the New Orleans Brass. So like minute and a half to go. Um, it's a, three, a one goal game and Sater asked for a stick measurement. So I go over and I'm in the stick gauge. The sliding thing is upside yeah. down. Right. So it's really not working. Right. Oh. And I was with Johnny O'Brien and Johnny goes, go get a new stick gauge. And I said, no F him to is a jerk. Put him in the box. It's illegal. And I call a penalty. And of course, New scores on the power play. And then they win in overtime. So, Uh, The year before, you were supposed to take the blade out. This was back in the day when you had the blade and the sticks, you know? Yeah. yeah. Take the blade out or take the stick and mail it into the office. So I get the stick blade and, um, you know, they're all going nuts. And the, the trainer's in the room like, why'd you do it with a stick gauge like this? And I'm like yelling at him, why'd you give me one like this? So we get back to Raleigh from the trip. And I held that thing over the stove for about 20 minutes, heated that blade up, and I bent that thing so hard. <laughs> so it's like a banana when I send it in. And Andy just <laughs> calls me up and he goes, So this blade, and he just starts laughing. Like, Andy, I told you it was illegal. It's <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, that's he awesome. Me, and he goes, Yeah, coach, I got the blade. It's clearly illegal. <laughs> But uh, that was that was a fun Birmingham. I had
1: some tough times there. So how how many seasons did you uh, did you end up skating
2: in the coast? I did. Um, well, I was four year four. I think okay. um, the last year, uh, like in January, the NHL hadn't given me any you know any uh, interest. So I I stopped and came home, and um, uh, I was flying down and then flying back for like two weeks and a week. And at the time, um, we owned a business, uh, Jim Burry play a music franchise and I had three kids. So it was like, what am I doing? I gotta, you know, I gotta come home and stay home. And that was the summer that the NHL called me. Um, it was, um, Charlie Banfield was the guy who called me and hired me. It was a Thursday in like August. He hired me, and then exactly a week later, on the next Thursday, called me and fired me. So I lasted a week. That's a, that's interesting. Uh, Never even touching the ice. I the calls I made were phone calls. That's about all I did. <laughs> uh, oh man, that's dirty. Yeah. And um and you know and people say why? Well, my guess is that it's because I was American, and back then. You know, there was only so many rests because we were still in a one and two. Yeah. Uh, You know, they never would say that to me because, you know, I'd sue them. But was
1: that during the transition where a lot of the trainees ended up getting let go to? Because like there was a time period where there was a changeover in the office and all the trainees
2: got fired. I, you know what? I don't, I think that what happened to me was before that. Okay. Yeah. I think it was before that because we're talking early 2000s okay when this happened and um and you know he i was on the phone for an hour with him and he you know he said they talked to people and said that uh, my heart wasn't in it anymore so the three people they talked to the first one was matt leaf who was in usa hockey or was yeah. i think he just left yeah he just yeah he left and so they talked to him and i said i said to charlie i go Matt Leaf isn't a fan of mine because he gave a one hour conversation on fitness back in at the select camp in Colorado. And when he asked if there's any questions, I raised my hand and said, Matt, do you really think you're the guy that should be giving this talk? And that didn't go over well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Scott Brand, who I don't know where he is now, but he ran the USHL for a little while. Yeah,
0: I I, that's who I was working for when I was, you know, in the U.S.H.O. Yeah. yeah. He, was the,
2: he was the general manager of Waterloo. Mm-hmm. And my lo- I said to him, the last conversation I had with him, I was walking down the runway and he yelled, hey, Lively, you suck. Johnny Lively out of New York was in the league, too, and we kind of looked alike, and we didn't have nameplates back then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I turned around, I said, listen, you fat. If you're going <laughs> to tell me I suck, get my effing name right. And yeah. You know, so that was the second person, and the third person was Jim Christensen, who was an NHL supervisor, who I had a two, two sentence conversation with in Colorado back at Select Camp. Yeah. So I'm like, you base this on three people, two of which probably aren't fans of mine, and one that I don't even know. And you know, they just kept saying, we're not, we're not hiring you. And uh, I actually asked him. I said, what did Andy Van Halenmont say? You know? And he goes, oh, Andy said you do a great job. And I was like, what, what? <laughs> you know? So. Okay. It was just absolutely stupid, but just
1: an interesting set of circumstances.
0: Well, that's super weird. I mean, it's super weird, right? You know, that's the yeah.
2: And and I, you know, I know I could do the job. I mean, it wasn't that. It was just you know, looking back, I knew there was so much out of your control, like everything. Yeah, there's so many things in life, Um, but it, you know, it happened for a reason. And I wouldn't be doing comedy and and be where I'm at with that career had I you know, um, had I ended up reffing in the NHL. So it's like, at the time it didn't make sense, but now it does. And I had actually started comedy too. Um, uh, right before that, the, the winter before that I'd started doing comedy. So,
0: yeah. So, so talk about that a little bit. So why, right. So first off, you know, and, and I love this part because I've got a degree in theater. Right? Uh, I do lighting and sound, and all that kind of stuff, but you know, live performance and all that. And I think, I think folks who, you know, it's funny because anybody who's willing to get up and essentially like try to entertain people, you know, whether that's drama, whether that's comedy, whether that's music, uh, and the focus is on you and you got to bring a lot of energy that, that takes a, an interesting person and a special person. Um, but, and I, and I think that has a lot, uh, a lot of kind of parallels also with refereeing, uh, especially, you know, and especially like, you know, a referee in the one referee, two linesman system where, Hey, you're. Your center stage there, uh, for lack of a better term. So yeah, so how how did that transition work? And you know, because obviously, you know, stand up comedy is not something that you're like, yeah, let me let me get up and just in front of a bunch of strangers and try to make them laugh for five minutes and not like throw things at me, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you know, right? And and and, uh, how how does that happen? What what you know, what led you from A to B? And and and
2: yeah, it's it the parallels are incredibly. Uh, they're incredibly similar in that, you know, um, and I think refereeing was a great training ground for me because everything was the last, you know, you get your last word in, you know, it, it, especially in, in pro hockey where I was, it was all about chirping each other and you always had to get that last word in. And so, um, and I, and it, it's funny because I came from the school of Andy that you didn't swear on the ice. You didn't swear at the, re- uh, the players. You didn't swear at the coaches. So, you had to get your zing in, but you couldn't, you know, it wasn't like I could just run my mouth, you know, like a typical Boston idiot and, you know, space, space stuff. I, I had to be, I had to think, you know, so, um, but I, the way I got into it, I, Johnny O'Brien, when he met me in Colorado and select camp, about 10 minutes after meeting, me, he said, you belong on stage. He was from New York. And I said, shut up. And he's like, yeah, dude, you, I go, I'm funny here in the locker room, but I'm not, there's no way I go on stage. And he hounded me for like two years on the road, like all the time. And finally in Richmond, we did a game in Richmond and there was an 11 o'clock show at the Richmond Comedy Club. And he got tickets and he said, we're getting you on stage, which now looking back after being in the business for 25 years, that was absolutely ludicrous. But <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. you
1: went <laughs> and watched a game in Richmond and then um, went to a bar and got on stage and did stand up. Yeah. Um, you got to be kidding purpose. me. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so were there people were there people in the comedy club that had gone to the hockey game?
2: No, no. Uh but <laughs> we walk in and we were late getting there, so we kind of caused a ruckus. And you know, the opening act was Mike Stankowitz from New Jersey. Great guy. But we kind of moved because I, I wanted to get closer to the stage. Like it was just so bizarre what the way we were thinking. And he kind of came at us. And of course, Boston came out at me and I like just torched him about his nose. He had a big caramel and like nose. And I smoked him about it and everyone were nuts. And he was like, kind of like, okay, let's move on. So I went up afterwards and I said, dude, I'm sorry. I, you know, he goes, no, that was hilarious. And I said, I'm thinking about getting in the business and blah, blah, blah. We have this great talk. We go back to the table and the headliner's on. And of course, when we get back, the guy goes at us, and of course, you know, um, he made some comment about the beanstalk, Jack and the Beanstalk, because he was calling Johnny the the giant, the Holly <laughs> Green Either. Giant. And, uh, and he made some comment about the beanstalk, and he's like, Why were you guys far, you know, gone so long? And I was like, Why? Look at the size of him. It took me all that long to hold him down, and everyone <laughs> nuts. And so I said, I'm funnier than these guys and they're making a living at it. And I came back, that was a Saturday night and that following Wednesday, I went on stage at Nick's comedy stop in Boston. And uh, that was the first time I went on 25 years ago. And um, I think it'll be 26, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 26. uh, This, this, this uh, December, January. Um, I I don't remember the first day. I'm not going to, but it it was that long ago. And from there, I just, you know, three months in, I got my first paying gig and away I went. And, um, and it's, so it's,
1: did you, yeah. um, did you just jump straight into uh, doing the comedy when you got that phone call? Did you keep skating? Like, oh, I was doing the ECAC. I,
2: okay. I ref. So you moved over to D1. The following year, I did ECAC and then, um, and and that was interesting because college players, pro players, very different. I tell the story, that the like, truth, <laughs> you know, how the kid, when I told him, you know, don't slash people like that. He told me to go F myself. And, uh, so I just let him go and he gets jacked the next shift in front of the net. And of course I got nothing. And, uh, and he came over. Why didn't you call that? I go, Oh, sorry, pal. I must've missed it. I was too busy in the corner effing myself. And, uh, And that, of course, caused the whole problem with his coach, um, who may or may not still coach at Quinnipiac. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) we, uh, yeah, we, but I did the Coast, I did the ECAC for two years. And then it was actually that game that that happened. Um, I may or may not have threatened the coach. um, And I may have swore at him. And I knew, like, I never did that, right? That wasn't me. Yeah. Because I like I always torture people without swearing and without like getting personal and I always say there's an easy way of telling someone to go, you know, what with themselves without saying it. Yeah. And that night I didn't and I threatened to knock his teeth down his throat in front of all his fans and I knew right away I have to stop. I have to and I took ten years off. I, I stopped and just coached. I was coaching my daughter and I was coaching at um uh, prep school here in, in outside of Boston. And, and it you just, know, sometimes, sometimes it happens, you know, like
1: either <laughs> there have been times where I'm just like, yeah, I need to take a break and granted not for that long. For my longest break's only been a few months, but you know, sometimes you just got to step away. Yeah. No, and I was, I was angry. I was, yeah, I was
2: bitter. I, rightfully so. Yeah. And, um, but you know, when I came back, uh, it's funny, Gino was hounding me every summer. He'd run into me at the bean town my girls team would be playing in it and he'd be like when are you coming back when are you coming?" you know and, and finally i was like you know what i think it's time and uh and i end up giving up coaching i stopped coaching my daughter aged out and um and i got back in and and i and it, i loved it again you know like yeah. I, I i don't even in the worst game i still have fun because and i always say you know like there's far worse things we could be doing to make money and my motto in life is I'm looking down at the dirt, not up. It's a good day. Yeah. And so I bring that into every game because it's like, you know, we're here skating, we're involved in the sport we love, you know, we're getting a little exercise, you know, I don't care who tells me I suck. It doesn't matter, you know? like And, and I always tell people sometimes if you're told you suck, maybe you do, maybe you got to look in the mirror and maybe you get to like, you know, assess like maybe I am struggling in this game. Maybe I got to pick up my game or, you know, um, you know, that it's, it's something that sometimes you have to go over, like we talked about earlier and say, Hey coach, this that wasn't my best period. I'll be better next period, you know, and, and, um, in and, and kind of own, you know uh, when, when you're not on top of your game, so,
0: you know, that that's, that's, I think that's something that you, you may have a unique perspective on self-awareness, right. On, on, uh, because when you go tell a joke you know if it lands right immediately you get immediate oh, feedback immediate. right uh <laughs> you know whether you, whether you're working on new material whether are like man that that just didn't land right um it, it, but you have to pay attention to that to survive right for the for the next oh, yeah. for the next minute the next two minutes you know wherever that goes um and, and i think a lot of referees uh you know in the linesman but a lot of referees would would really would would also like Man, having that amount of self awareness because because I I think that that still exists on the ice in front of us, right? When you miss something big, you know it, right? Uh, and you have to recover, um, and that's imp- and that's important. But I, I I don't know. I just I think that that's something that uh, you know. Can you speak to that at all? You know about like hey, just having that self awareness. You know, um, right? So because if you're like where you come from, that's that's you you're you are an expert on that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it 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 has to be, it has to do with staying in the moment, right? Like I'm a huge believer in right now is all we have. And yesterday's over, tomorrow hasn't happened. And so whether you're on stage, whether you're, you know, no matter what you're doing right now is the most important. So in a game right now is the most important. So if I missed a trip or I made a terrible cross check call, I can't let that, you know, like, keep festering at me and I can't like, you You know, if you miss something, you miss it and you admit it and you move on. And like, I always tell coaches when they, well, last period, this trip out. And I go, coach, I live in the present, not in the past. So I can't go back. I used to say that I'll date myself. I used to say uh, my VCR only has a play button. No, re- no rewind. Um, <laughs> now that doesn't work because most of the coaches don't get that. But Yeah. They're like, what? What's yeah. a VCR? Yeah. Um But. You know, I think staying in the moment in a game is is the most important thing because if you're still thinking about that trip you missed or you're still thinking about the coach telling you suck and you getting all fired up, you're going to miss something in the now. And right now is what's important. So if you mess up, if you, you know, and I always say, like, you can call the best game ever, right? Like, you could be on, like, I've had those nights where, you come off the ice and you know, you nailed it. You caught everything. You called what you need to call. You manage it great. And there's still 25 guys that think you suck, right? There's still a team. Deep, yeah, crazy. yeah. They didn't yep. win. So you have to also think that like everyone has their perspective. And so you can't let, you can't take things personally. Like uh, My favorite book is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And one of them is Don't Take Anything Personally. So whether they tell you you're great or you suck, it doesn't matter. You know who you are. Like how many times as a coach, I, I had the um, so I did a D one game um, during COVID. I had AIC Army at AIC. I hadn't ref a one college game in fifteen years. All right, uh, Luke Alvin was calling me hockey Jesus. I rose back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because you're back from the dead. Oh, oh. man.
2: <laughs> so, um, so after the first period, the AIC coach says, you know, that was the best referee period we've had all year. Like, that was amazing. You were great. And it didn't take him too long to forget that and start, you know, <laughs> mother, mother effing me in the second period. Um, and in the third period, he pushed, you know, he he, he pushed it and I, I, I gave him a bench. And he had no real idea who I was. He knew I was someone with experience, but right. he wanted to test me. And he finally, like, you should, why do you make a call? I said, all right, how's this one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and my favorite. My oh, partner yeah. was like, he goes, oh, he's like that all the time. And I was like, why doesn't anyone bet him? Like, yeah. you know, and the next day, this coach, the ASE coach, um, he emailed me. And he said, hey, sorry, I got in the moment you know, got hung hang up in the game and the emotions and blah, 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 and didn't mean any disrespect. And I emailed him back and said, Hey, no worries. I yesterday's yesterday. And I appreciate the email. Um, and so I think that's important. Like you can't carry it forward and you can't hold on to mistakes. You can't hold on to, you know, uh, if you had a great period, that's great, but you can't rest on that because every, every moment is it's most important moment. And that's how you that's how I've always refereed is if I messed up or had a bad interaction, you know, I don't I don't let it bother me. I don't carry it forward. Um, And I'm like that with shows, comedy shows, if I'm teaching a class of, you know, anything in life. Like you just you try to be better today than yesterday. And sometimes you're not. And you're okay with that because you learn and you move on. And I think that's I think that's a big problem with a lot of guys now is they take things personally. You know, and even if they're saying something personal, it, who cares? Right. Like right. we have the rule book and we can deal with people. And if we have to, like I've only thrown out, I think in my whole career, I think I've thrown out three coaches or yeah. four coaches. Um, one of them, one of them was Donnie Granato, uh, coach of the Sabres. He tried <laughs> to attack me in Green Bay. I never got to tell the story Monday night. Um, yeah, well, oh, now well, you get well Duke, we were so
0: to say, yeah, but to say, well, that sounds like a perfect, uh, perfect segue. I was, walking,
2: I was walking through the lobby, uh, the, like the concourse going to the restroom and he grabbed me by the back of the shirt and yanked me. And I just turned, I went to swing and the owner grabbed him and Scott Zingerman grabbed me. And, uh, we were, like, you know, let's just say we exchanged pleasantries. So I had to kick him out. Um, Wait, 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 was this, this was in
0: between periods,
2: right? This was after the first period. It was game three of the championship. Okay, yeah, all right. The USHL championship, Rochester versus Green Bay. And okay. I called a bunch of penalties on Green Bay because they were the most penalized team in the league. And he didn't like that. And, you know, of course, uh, so he got thrown out. And earlier in the year, Mike Lazazra, who was coaching the Dubuque Saints, and I can understand why he was angry. because Saints, was, yeah. There's a reason why they call it the puke.
0: Yeah. And they got the, they got the shot tower and that's about it.
2: Oh, awful. So <laughs> yeah. he threw everything that wasn't nailed down on the bench at, uh, it was in Minneapolis at twin cities Threw everything on the ice at me. So I had to throw him out. Um, that's fair. and then the next guy I threw out was like a midget game in Walpole, like a couple of years ago, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's said, Walpole. He said some vile, vile things. And, uh, and I just started laughing. I was like, you can go home now. Uh, <laughs> so I haven't thrown many coaches out and I haven't given many bench minors in the sense that like, if you communicate right, you don't have to Exactly. Yeah. make your job easier. Right. So, um, you know, there's a time to get into it and there's a time to kind of like, you know, pretend to be angry or even be angry. There's been plenty of times where I get angry, but you got to let it go right away. Um, and that and that's hard to do because we're human and yeah you know and when someone challenges us or our judgment or our call we take it like you know you're telling me i can't do this job and it's like no they're just telling you they didn't like that and maybe they're not doing it in an effective way but you can deal with that you know like i always tell guys when i was coaching i'd be um I'd be like on the whiteboard and, you know, drawing up a play or showing a defenseman what she did wrong. And next thing you know, the whistle blows. And I look up and I just see the ref going to the box. And I'd be like, you know, hey, strikes. what do you got? And he'd start yelling at me. And I'd be like, why are you yelling at me? I just don't know what you're calling. I'm not arguing. You know, and he'd be like, ah, oh, your girl did this. And I'm like, whoa, dude, I, I don't, I just want to know the penalty. I'm not saying it didn't happen. And then, too often, I think we're too quick to react. And I always tell guys, sometimes they just ask him because they really don't know what happened because they weren't work- watching. That's why, like Monday night, I said, when you're calling a penalty, you blow the whistle and you count to three, and then you give your call and your signal so that everyone in the building sees it, so yeah. it doesn't. The coach knows, all right, it was interference. You know, so there's a less of a chance he has to ask you now. And then you get into you know, an interaction that you is avoidable, and the next thing you know, you, he's bringing up stuff, and you know, and next thing you know, he tells you your mother's chicken soup is terrible, and now you got to bench him, and it's right. like avoid all that, you know. Um, so like I, I try to slow things down, you know, whether it's a penalty call or a situation, or like going over to the bench. If I know I'm going to talk to the coach, what is he to think? Like I think about what is he going to ask, you know. So I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And nine out of 10 times, they ask exactly what you think they're going to ask. And then you have your retort and you're ready and you're not caught off guard, you know? Um, And communication, like I know uh, I love communicating. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I do it for a living and I know that it comes natural to some people and not natural to others, but there are, uh, we talked about earlier that I put together a little thing. There's certain phrases you can use when talking to a coach that can, a diffuse the situation, and B, it, it, you can tell them you're right without telling them you're right. So, like, you know, from my angle, coach, that was a trip, and and you're not saying it wasn't a trip, and because it might have very well been a trip, or it might not have been a trip. You're just saying from my angle, coach, that looked like you got him up high. Well, he didn't, coach. I'm not saying you're right and I'm wrong, or I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just telling you from what my angle it was up high and I can only call what I can, you know, what I see. Mm-hmm. And nine out of 10 coaches, they're any good will not continue that conversation because what are they going to argue? You're just telling him from my angle. And he might say, well, you got to get a better angle. Well, you know what coach, I'll do my best. And then you're up, you know uh, you get into that. Yeah, it was, no, it wasn't stuff. And that just escalates, you know, it just escalates. So there's no reason to, so from my angle, you know, um, Andy always taught me to answer a question with a question. So, never really answer a question, right? So, um, you know, you call a board or something a big hit, and the coach is, you know, uh, and you say, Coach, let me ask you a question. If your player got hit like that, would you want me to call a penalty? And it's a simple question. And he's going to, no, but what I want, no, no, coach, listen, I, I asked you a question. I asked you, yes or no. <laughs> Please give me the respect. You know, would you want me to call a penalty? If he says no, you go, okay, I know where we stand, and You start to skate away and any coach worth a his weight and salt will go, Whoa, wait a minute. That's all. I don't, I don't want you like not caught. And they get caught. If they say yes, you go perfect. Why are we having this conversation? Yeah. It's an easy way to throw it back on them. And you're not being a dick. You're not being, you know, you're not being a jerk about it. Um, you know, you're, you're handling it in a way that, you know, what, we'll, what, we'll, you know, they say, what about the trip? What trip? You know the one I'm talking about? No, sorry, coach. I don't know what the one you're talking about. Well, it was, it was in center ice. Well, what was the number? Who, who tripped him? Well, I don't know. Well, if you don't know the number, how do I know the number? Boom. Now he knows that you got, him. um, you know, little things like that. Uh, and another great one that I was taught was you never, never threaten, Right. So if the coach is going off or doing something, I always would say, um, hey, coach, if you want to continue to act like this, two minutes might have to go on the clock. So you're not saying I'm going to give you a bench or like one ref threw me out of a game when he said one more word, and I'm throwing you out. And I said, OK. And he threw me out when I was coaching. At the prep school, now it's like, Are you kidding me? We're gonna play that game, right? I mean, and, and if you but
0: if you speak in absolutes, you have to back it up, right? I mean, that's that that's the problem.
1: And you only know, a
2: Sith deals in absolutes, yeah. <laughs> and 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 you lose credibility if you don't. So if you say, next time someone touches someone after whistle, I'm gonna give two and tens, and someone next touches someone you, do, you gotta whistle, do it, you don't follow through. Well, if I'm the coach, I'm going to mess with you till day's end because you just showed that, you know, you don't have the intestinal fortitude to follow through. And I know I can't trust you. And, you know, a lot of refereeing and coaching, it's, it's trust. You build trust, you know, before the game, when you go over and say hi to the coach and, you know, when they say, how's it going? I always say, fantastic. Great day for hockey. So right away, he knows I'm into this game. I want to be here whether it's a mic game or a pro game, you know, great day for hockey. It's the Saturday game, like mystery, Alaska, like, yeah. you know, whatever you, you, and then he knows, Oh, you're excited to be here. If you go over and you're like, Hey coach, that's my fifth game of the day, man. I, I'm ready to strangle someone. Well, uh, well of course he's going to like be on the defense right away. Yeah. And I might be tired, but I'm going to still tell him it's a great day for hockey because now I've set him up for the po- positive energy. Right. And so it, it's just little things you can do. I always tell guys make your job easier. Don't make it more difficult. Why do you want to make it more difficult? You know, it's like, and so many guys, I'm it, really mind blowing how many guys make their life more
1: difficult by yeah. either their attitude or their appearance or just how they communicate.
0: They're non, yeah, their parents, their non verbal communication, right? Like that, that, like, hey, I don't have my chin strap on, my helmet's in the back of my head, I don't have shin tights, right? And I'm going to go over to the coach and be like, hey, how's it going? Right. You're, you're like, dude, if I go to a coach, like, hey, guys, how's it going? Right. Like, hey, how was the drive in for the visiting team? Like, hey, how's the drive in? How's it going? Like, great to see you guys. Looking forward to it. How's the season going for you? That kind of stuff, right? Show some type of engagement, you know. Um,
1: well, because that initial impression, right? When you're, especially yeah. when you're seeing a team you don't know, that initial impression is
2: huge. Yeah, yeah. You only
1: get one chance to make a first impression, yeah. right? And then, like when you when you get to a point where you're working, whether it be pro hockey or D one or something, and you're seeing these teams over and over again, you have that bad first impression. Now you really got to dig yourself out of a hole because. Oh, yeah. Now they're thinking. Oh, great! We have Riley tonight. Yep. Yeah. That's the worst. That's you, the worst.
0: What do you think about using? So I, I like to ask this to a lot of kind of experienced folks because I think we get a huge kind of uh, you know shotgun spread of of answers. But you know, so what do you think about getting? You know, when you introduce yourself, like do you do you do you as a referee introduce yourself saying, "Hey, man, I'm Mark. Nice to meet you. You know, if you need anything, let me know." You know, or, or, you know, do you like to, do you like to try to use first names, last names? Like, how do you like to kind of approach players and coaches, uh, you know, on a, on a level on a professional, but personal level, like how, how do you like to do that? I like to use kind of, I like to, to learn coaches first names and I like to use players last names, but, um, but you know, we've also had other people who are like, nope, I like to use, you know, a center, Hey coach, you know, professional
2: titles. What do you like to do? It, honestly, it all depends on the situation and who it is. If I don't know the coach, um, I'll introduce myself. And a lot of times I'll forget their name. So I'll just call him coach. Yeah. Um, players I'll go, Hey, one, five, you know, a 15. But if I know the guy or he does have a, sh- you know, like if his name is, you know, uh, Flaherty, I'll go, Hey flats, come in. You know, whether or not that's his nickname, I'm guessing. Right. Um, it all kind of, and also depends on the age of the kids too, obviously. Uh, yeah. you know older the, the college players you can kind of like you get to know the captains and stuff and yeah. and so if you know the name and you know the person i always use you know names um mm-hmm. and and you know sometimes i'll use names but then you know if you don't know the name it's okay to say coach um you know i always approach it that way like when i go yeah. before a game though i always go hey how's it going mark Riley nice to meet you great day for hockey how's the season been going You know, or how's the weekend been going? If it's a tournament, you know, um, uh, you know, how was your game the last week at, you know, at at UMass or whatever? Like, if it's a college game, um, and and kind of be interested in where they're at, but at the same time, you're understanding where their temperature is too. Like, if they're in a great mood, okay. If they immediately bring up, well, the guy last night, blah blah blah, you know, and you're like, okay, now I know you're already pissed off. So now I, I, it's not going to change what I'm going to do. Right. I'm going to be aware of it so that when we cross that bridge, I'm ready. Um, one of my favorite lines today are coaches when, like, they'll go, well, yesterday the guy called this, and it was a slash. And I'll be like, wait a minute. Yesterday was the was the ref really good looking and funny? Because if he wasn't, it wasn't me. And they always look <laughs> at you like what? What? <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything? And I love it. That, you know, and then you, you re- like they realize, oh, okay, you know, um, I got nothing here. But I I try to be as approachable as possible. And I always say to a coach, hey, if you have any questions or anything, let me know. Or yeah. let us know. We'll be happy to come over. And nine out of ten times that they don't. It's not like you say that and the coach is calling you over the whole game. It doesn't happen. If you let them know you're approachable and you're available, chances are they're going to Just knowing that puts them at ease because now it's not a you versus them or us versus you. It's where, and, and I always say that game is about the players. It's not about me refing. It's not about you coaching. It's about the players, whether they are five years old or 25 playing pro hockey, it's about the players. And it's a, you know, so no, one's there to watch me and no one's there to watch the coach, you know? Um, and that's kind of the approach I always try to have, you know, uh in, in how I do it, you know? Yeah. I mean you always do want to look good on the first lap though, especially Right. Though yeah. The-
0: yeah. Yeah. And you don't want the first call to be terrible.
2: But back know. in the day when I had flow, I used to take the helmet off and take a the skate.
0: That's and- perfect. And like you know, go go carry yeah. Fraser style.
2: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't wear honestly, I wouldn't wear a helmet if I didn't have to back in the day. <laughs> um yeah because i oh, hear so was cool. that good but uh nice. um and then when we had to go to visors, that really threw me for a while because uh I, I i i actually they made us wear visors in the in the whl back in the day oh visor. Uh, wow. mean, the first time out i just let the team seattle gave me one but it came down real low so the first time i blew my whistle I blew up my eardrums. It was
0: yeah <laughs> I, I can't, that's the thing that I can't stand even now, right? Like I, I wear the, I have an old school Oakley straight cut pro, right? That, you know, you got uh, from, I got from a, a team equipment manager. Um, and I still wear that thing because you can't find something that small because I can't stand hearing my voice echo back or the whistle uh-huh. echo back, right? I, I just, you know. So that, that's one of those I the shortest
2: thing. visor possible when I came back to referee and after I took the break. Yeah. Uh, but back in the day, the next trip out to the Western League, I called uh, Billy Doran, who uh, refs and I don't know if he's still refing, but he was the rep for um, iTech at the time. Yeah. And he got me a Pat LaFontaine special. So it literally, like it it, it, it looked like a pair of sunglasses when you put oh, it on. Yeah, the <laughs> aviator cut. Cool. Yeah, and yeah, the, the old school,
0: like super yeah. small.
2: Oh. I still have it. I, I use it when I play. Well, I don't play anymore, but when I played, I do. I wear that thing. Yeah, um, gave me one of those. So when I went out the next time, I was like, you know, it was barely a, it was barely a mask, but nice. it worked. So, 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 dude,
0: so when, uh, so when is the time? So, so this is an interesting question, but when is it time to admit that you were wrong? Right. So like, let's say you've got one of those calls that you want to, right. That you want to saw your arm off, right. Your arm goes up. You want to saw that thing off. You know, you got to put a guy in the box. When is the time to say, or or how do you say, yeah, that wasn't the right call, but we got to take the face off over here. Anyway,
2: you try not to do it right away. You know, like after you put the guy in the box, you don't want to go over to the coach and say, "Hey, coach, that was a terrible trip call. You know, but I was pot committed, you know, um, yeah, and, and I had to play my pocket deuces. Like, it, you don't, but you pick that time after the period, like typically you do it after the penalty expires and they don't, hopefully you don't score. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. Do what we're and all praying. Then, they don't do. Yeah. Yeah. At the end
2: of the, at the end of the period, or like at a, at a stoppage and you're near the, the be- the bench, you can just say, hey, coach, I just want to let you know. I thought about that one. That was not my best tripping call. And, uh, you know, or, or I talked to my partner and I think I might've had a bad angle on that for my angle it looked bad, but he said it wasn't. So I'll, I'll be better next time. That's what I always say. Um, if you know, you miss something like with a player, especially like if a kid gets whacked and you see the aftermath, but you don't see the high stick, Mm -hmm. I'll grab the guy right away and go, Hey, did you get whacked in the, in the face there? Oh, he, he he hit me right in the face. You go, oh, "Sorry man, I missed that. That's my bad. I'll be better next and I'll try to get the next one." And immediately they're like, "Oh, okay, cool." Like um you try to address it depending on the situation as quick as possible. Um Okay. And 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 when it's appropriate. Like if the coach is flipping out, you don't want to go over and you know, validate the reason why he's flipping out cuz he's right. going to First, but after the fact you can always go coach I i come out for the next period hey i talked to my partners and they told me that high stick was brutal that's my bad uh you know i'll be better than, i'll to be, i'm gonna be better this period you know and okay. and it goes a long way it goes a long long way especially with coaches that get it and that yeah. understand you know um they're not going to say oh well you, you know like they're not going to come at you about it and if they do, they're just an idiot. And then, you know, and you treat them as such. But right. uh, most times guys appreciate, especially players, especially older players like midgets and juniors, like they're, yeah. they're still in that stupid age. Like they're still so emotional. They get caught up in it. Right. You quickly diffuse that by saying, hey, or I'll say, hey, you, you were high on that last hit. You keep hitting like that. You're going you're gonna to force me to call a penalty. Right. And half the time, they'll go, oh, sorry, Stripes. And if they go, oh, make the penalty call, then you go, okay. It's yeah. <laughs> And it by again, you put your arm up and, you you know, you teach them the, uh, as as we call it, the player uh, re-education program.
0: Right. Yeah. They go. they feel
2: shame. program as well. Luke
0: yeah, that's, a, that's a longer game. That's a longer process, but correct. That's, that's a little fun
2: too. Yeah, <laughs> you,
0: you know that's something that I love to talk players um, out of penalties. Right, like like if I'm if I'm sitting down low, something simple is easy. Talking to a defense like, hey man, keep that stick down, right in front. Like, was you're pushing that guy? If if you're if you're sticks up high, I got to call that cross check. But if it's down low, like, hey, we're just good. You're just pushing the guy. You know, yep. like that's, that's something that, um, that, that you well, gotta be yourself when you do it. Yeah. With, but,
1: uh, well, with a lot of these younger guys too, yeah. right? like I know, you know, Riley, what I was going to kind of go to is, you know, our Monday night zoom calls, right. That, that Gene does and the role that you have, like, cause obviously, you know, we got a uh, senior and junior that run the thing. And then we got guys like you, myself, Luke, a few others that, you know, help out and try to teach. And uh, that's certainly something that, you know, you do is, is especially on the, like the communication side. Like, what is your goal when you're,
2: when you're doing that stuff? Uh, The goal is to make people better and to realize that there's a, there's a, I I hate using right and wrong, but there's a, an effective way of doing things. And then there's an ineffective way of doing, it. um, and, and especially with communication and, you know, like swearing at players and swearing at coaches, like, you know, once you open that door, it's over. And, you know, um, telling a player, shut the F up. Like you, you don't want to be talked to like that, you know? So why are you talking to someone like that? Because when they tell you, you can't call a penalty. So uh, it's like trying to get people to realize that you can make this job easier for yourself or more difficult because it's already a difficult job, right? Like refereeing hockey is the toughest sport to referee, bar none. Um, And so you already have a difficult job. Why make it more difficult? Especially with something you have control over, which is your communication and how you talk and your attitude and your effort, all those things, like lack of effort, I have no tolerance for at all. None. I don't care if it's your first game or your sixth game. If you can't do the sixth game as well as your first game, don't take the sixth game, right? Like, so every game, it, it just because it's your sixth game and you don't care, that's not what the players are coming into that, and that's not what you're getting paid for. So you've got to bring the right attitude every time, the right effort every time. Um, and I always talk about building habits, like you do a squirt game, I'll do a squirt game the same as I do a college game, which sounds crazy, but it isn't in the sense that, you know, yeah, I might not yell as much, you know, or you know, be as tight on the face-offs, but you're going to, you got to approach it. Like I always tell guys face-offs, the one place in the rink we can control is the face-off. It's the only place. Why not do it right? once you let them cheat in the one place we can control, I, I always said, I want to do a study. I don't have the money, the time or the resources, but if I could do a study on the, the correlation between crappy run face-offs and games that get out of hand, I swear it would be like, you would see a, a one-to-one. <laughs> you Absolutely. A, and I think that's, you know, but I just try to, I just try to make guys better. And yeah. sometimes like, I'm emotional. Like Gino is not so much as Gino, but I'm emotional. Yeah, well, uh, You know,
0: and well, it sounds like you and Gino might, like when you're working your, your, your old school, minor pro days and USHL days, you guys had very similar emotions. Yeah. Oh
2: <laughs> yeah. He communicated them a little differently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He did not have the discipline, not the swears. <laughs> but,
0: no, <laughs> yeah, no,
2: Um. But yeah, no, like I used to get fired up. Like there was that call a couple of weeks ago about the intensity and like getting intense and being like, you know, taking charge and, you know, and, and some people weren't comfortable with that, but it's like at times you have to assert dominance over the situation. And if you don't, you're going to get walked all over. Now that's not to say you go into every scrum screaming and yelling at people or the whole game you're screaming and yelling at people. But there's times where like I, I always try to teach guys, you want players when you yell and they know you're mad, they take notice. So you want players when you get to that decibel level, they go, Oh shit, Riley's mad. Yep. We got to stop yeah. this. You no? Know? And whether you're mad or not, like I always would, like if I yelled at someone, I'd turn around to my linesman and go, Did I sound really mad there? That was pretty good, wasn't it? Because <laughs> like, you don't want to actually, even though sometimes we do get actually mad um sometimes just act it and get their attention um and that's so a think, tool in the toolbox right as, well as a it is it is it's it's like um it, it's like that white noise theory like if they constantly hear like when guys are scrumming for a puck i won't yell you know until it goes to that point where it kind of stalls and i'll be like come on boys let's go let's go it's in the feet um you know, take it out or whatever. But I won't constantly yell every time because then they're going to turn you off. So that time you need them to listen, boom, your voice comes in and they go, oh, we better knock this off. You know, Um, I'm not a fan of referees yelling puck. I kind of hate that. That's one of those things I don't like because as a player, if you're yelling at me, puck, that's disrespectful because I know what I'm trying to do here. You know, don't yell, puck. I know what I'm supposed to do, you know, so I don't yell that. I yell, you know, come on, boys, keep it moving. Let's go. It's in the feet. Um, and, you know, and, and that communication piece is huge. On the Monday nights, though, those calls are great. And it's fine. I love when Gene and I, Big Gene and I don't agree. That's oh, the, best. It's the best. Absolutely, so, absolutely the best. Um, or when I snap on someone.
0: <laughs> also fair. Or say
2: something inappropriate. I hate that. Because <laughs> I you know like those young kids in the call and stuff and i'll say something and'll be like ah i should' have said that um, <laughs> you know but um but those, swear, those
1: are fun sometimes they turn into what could be a pay-per-view <laughs>
2: um, some of them are great yeah like it's it's so great when yeah. when when someone gets into it you know yep and uh, but i, think yeah, my favorite I guess is, like,
0: yeah so what you're saying is like if everything is important, nothing is important, right? Like, like you got to pick and choose the words you say and who you say them to, because, because again, you know, as soon as you want your voice to matter, you know, and as soon as it, and as soon as it is common, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Right. Um, you know, if I'm going to explain a penalty to someone, it's because I really want them to get it. You know, it's not because I'm going to talk, I'm not talking to them all the time. Right. Like, I, I, you know, I, and that's just me, but I think that's something that that I have learned over years, both in the military and, and, and officiating and all that kind of stuff. Right? If everything's important, nothing's important, and ultimately, we want our voice to matter. You know?
2: Um, yeah, it has to. You because you're in charge. Yeah. And what do you have to be in charge with? Well, you have a whistle, and you have your voice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Those you know, two things you, we got. That's it. Like you can't beat people up, and you can't like. You don't have a stick to swing at them, so yeah. you have to use the tools you have. And if you don't use them effectively, you know, I want when when I walk into a building, teams that know me, I want them to go, oh, ral has got the game. It's been, you know, and they're they're happy to see me, you know, even if they don't like me, I want them to know, All right, I know I'm going to get an effort. I know I'm going to get his best. You know, mm-hmm. I know he's going to skate hard. Um, and if he messes up, he'll tell us.
1: And that's the you know? best compliment a referee can get. Yeah, that's when you it. walk when you walk in the door and both of those teams know, okay, we got Riley tonight, we know how he calls the game. he's always consistent and he's always honest. And as long as we have that out of a referee, what you can't ask for more than that and that that's just a huge compliment to any of us doing this
2: when we're able to stay consistent and be effective communicators. I think the difficulty with youth hockey and with a lot of guys that are doing, you know, newer guys coming up and doing youth hockey is that a lot of these coaches don't get it. No, they are right? like, doing college, you're doing juniors. These guys are like, that's their job. They're getting paid to do that full time, right? So they kind of have an understanding, even though some of them are still, you know, lunatics, they still understand it to a, a greater level than just some dad who volunteered that, you know, played some Youth hockey is a kid and loves the Bruins and, you know, wants to, you know, take out his frustrations of his life on the poor referee. It's a little more difficult when like you walk into a building and no one knows you, right? Um, but that's when, you know, your attitude before the game, how you approach coaches, all those things go a huge way. Because if if the coach feels good about you being on the ice, he might still scream and yell or hate you or whatever, but at least you start off on the right foot and you're less apt to have that guy flip out, you know? Um, And, and, you know, that's because I know a lot of the things we talk about are at higher levels, right? Not everyone's doing higher levels. So, but the communicating across the board works now it might take some people a little longer to get it as a coach, right? Or as a player, Mm -hmm. but it's still the same, you know, use terminology to a square coach. Hey, from my angle, it looked like a high hit. Well, he's still like, whether it's him or John Marks who's in the hall of fame, they're going to get that like on some level, some more than others. Right. But you know, if you tell a coach, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just telling you what I saw. Well, now it's not a, it's not a, you're right, you're wrong situation. It's a, hey, I'm just telling you what I saw and I can only call what I see. That's it.
0: You know, so in the military world, we have, right, like uh, in our pre-flight prep rooms, whether that's, you know, when we're getting our geared up or, you know, briefing rooms or anything, there's certain things we have on the wall, right? They talk about, you know, hey, uh, this is the focus, special interest items, the Air Force calls them, whatever. But it, it's almost like, Those are the things that we, you know, we need to be looking at, right? Like if you have, if I have a list, right. Of something that I want to tell that 14 year old, that 15 or 16 year old, Hey, things that I want you to look at as you're stepping onto the ice, it's like, I I expect you'd already know your penalty options and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's those, maybe it's those communication tips, right? Hey, say this, not that, right? Like maybe that's some stuff that, uh, you know, I'm probably going to post some things, you know, I'm, I'm going to print off your horizon thing and put that in our, referees are I'm just like, Hey guys, say this, right. Because to that 15 year old, who's got to talk to a 30 year old, you know, um, that's tough. And, and that okay. is tough. That is a lot tougher. Uh, that kid has a lot harder time talking to a coach than the three of us do.
1: Yep. No question. And it's even, and honestly I feel like it's even harder now for the young kids to talk to the adults than it was when I started working just because of the, social interaction or lack thereof that a lot of the young kids have now because everyone's buried in their phone and whatever compared to like when we were kids. I know when I started reffing at 14, 15 years old, our, our assigner had no problem putting me out doing beer league at 15, which we would never do now. Never, never. We would not put it someone under, under 18 on the ice to do beer league. But then he had all the faith in the world with me going out there doing it because he knew I wasn't afraid of no grown ass men. So that's definitely a, a big aspect of it too is is getting the younger guys up to speed on just how to, you know, handle adults and that advice that, you know, you've given here Riley, the, the things that you've put out there. Definitely our are, are tools in the toolbox that those young guys can, can definitely use.
2: And and one thing, like it just hit me. Um not only is there too much hockey, right? But the oh, amount of like hockey there's too much hockey. Way too much hockey. But when the, the more hockey there is, the more coaches that are needed. So back in the day, yeah, your your midget, your bantam coach, it was people that knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you have so many teams, you gotta fill these coaches spots. You're grabbing people that might not have any idea what you know. Like it's like, well, it's accepted in our sport to yell and scream at refs. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it, that's not. It's not just a at free random let it rip L every second of every game. Um, and I think that's another thing that's kind of uh, been affected is that you got coaches that, you know, and I went through the coaches education thing. I mean. You know, there's a lot to be said about a lot of the things that are out there. But, you know, we don't really teach coaches how to, you know, interact and whatnot. You know, that's something that I, I I think
1: everyone's been on the same page with this one, right? The coaches, when they do their certification stuff, they should have a module on the rules and a module on how to communicate with referees. 100% 100 percent I feel like that would solve a lot of our problems yeah but the modules have to
0: be good yeah <laughs> right and hey I want to go back to like that like but that point with with the youth coaches because you know when I was coming up a u16 AA coach uh that really taught me how to interact with coaches as a referee was Terry Ballingall Terry Ballingall is he's an old uh well his defensive partner was Dave Hansen right uh, in the old days right like the 70s you know Dave Hansen and, and Peter and Chris Carlson the Hansen brothers right um and and he was the guy who you could argue with on the ice you know and and i'll never forget the one time i skated over to the bench and he was like he's looking at me with swanny my kid was an idiot i just want to yell at you because i got to get the boys fired up because we're down by two goals with seven minutes left and i'm gonna and he said and if we're not if we haven't scored a goal by the five minute mark you're gonna throw me out and i was like oh, okay okay right yeah right but immediate but but and that's what he did it, it, and and but then he's the same guy who would walk into the referees room with a, with a six pack of beer six pack of Molson you know and be like hey let's talk about that you know that's the kind of guy like that doesn't exist any uh, well maybe it exists but i don't know I, I just i feel like that's something that doesn't maybe doesn't exist anymore because that U16AA coach doesn't have never played did not play you know pro hockey Uh, anymore right because because there's so many there's so much hockey and there's so many teams um
1: there's definitely a lack of experience on the on the coaching side right you know and and so it's not helping us any clearly right because it wasn't
0: a referee that taught me that that was a coach that taught me you know hey Mm uh when a coach that knows what they're doing they're you know they respect you and your position enough to, to be able to understand, you know, the big picture and tell you, Hey, you're going to throw me out. Why? Well, because my team's down, you know, I got to get them fired up.
2: I got to get them to go fight in the corners um, and dig the well, pocket. That's a lot of the younger refs don't realize either. And, and not even younger refs doing like sports, but even some of the younger guys doing juniors in college, you know, sometimes a coach will yell just because he can't yell at anyone else. Yeah. Like, he's pissed off at his players and he yelled at them enough and he needs to show them I'm still fighting. You need it. Still fight. So he might yell and, and I've had coaches scream and yell at me. And then you look up and then they wink at you and you know, like, okay, I see what's going on. And yep. I'll go over and play the part and go, Hey, I've had enough. Can't be doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you, you skate away and you know what happened and he knows what happened. And, yep. but if you don't know that as a ref, and you know, you don't, it's like that coach not seeing the penalty you called. It's the same idea. Yeah. Refs don't think refs think automatically, oh, they're challenging me. No, they might just be doing something, you know, because they need to do it. Or it's, yeah. you know, it's what they can do. Um, you know, what what's funny is uh I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing this thing in November. CCM is doing a hockey house. So they take over a house. They did it in Toronto last year. This year, they're doing it in Canton, Mass. And I'm running a chirping clinic uh, that's going to be like, they're going to run through like, I don't know how many teams, like 30 teams, right? So for 10 minutes, they're going to spend time with me. And I'm going to teach them how to chirp, how to talk to refs, how not to get thrown out. I love it. I pitched it to people that are doing it. And um, CCM loved it. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing a chirping clinic. Which is kind of hilarious, and um, well, (laughs) Well, amazing. Well, well, I mean, I I guess. I I don't know if you know this though, but Gino, Gino, and I, young Gino, we're starting a podcast called "Chirping Zebras," and uh, (laughs) it's going to be all about, you know, uh, stories, and it's going to be more entertaining than educational. Yeah. Uh, Okay. You know, we'll have we'll have Andy We'll have you know Koharski. We'll have you know, um, local legends just to share the, the referee side of things, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. We're trying to get that off the ground. Um, well, we you know, can certainly yeah. help you guys yeah. with that. <laughs> well, yeah. well, um, go well, into
1: the, <laughs> the comedy side of things with the chirping and everything. Uh, let's hear some good chirps and maybe a couple of jokes to wrap this thing up.
0: Well, I geez.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i can i can share a few stories from coaches interactive around. Sure. Right. yeah yeah one of them um one of them was actually um one of them was uh probably two two falls ago it was a bad it was a uh midget game and you know you're supposed to blow the whistle with usa hockey when the goal is scored yeah. well I'm just pointing because that's all I've ever done. And the coach calls me over he's like, you're not blowing the whistle. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm aware of that. And he's like, yeah, but you're supposed to blow the whistle. And I go, well, I'm aware of that too. And he goes, well, can you just blow it? And I go, coach, I'm not comfortable taking blowing requests from other men. And (laughs) Chris Henry was with me. I forgot I even said this. He reminded me, right? And all the kids on the bench are like cracking up. And the coach just looks at me like, and, and I go, we good. <laughs> Just um, uh, that was one of my more favorite ones.
1: Um, that's
0: brilliant. Oh man. <laughs> I don't We can't get better. We can't get better than that. All right. So how, so how do people find you? All right. So
2: yeah, it's easy. I got all my, um, my schedules on my website, links, all the, my, you know, all the social medias, uh, which we will Facebook post in the description
1: there. of this podcast.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm even on the TikTok now. Oh, um, nice. there you go which, um, you know, it's it, that's an interesting little app right there. Uh, <laughs> you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, I'll go in the bathroom, sit down and do my business. I open the TikTok. next thing you know, it's dark out and I can't feel my legs. <laughs> my Not, sure. Sorry, Not sure. Not sure if that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my, web, my website's markreillycomedy.com. Um, and, uh, that links to everything. And if and I, I actually, uh, I'm a little smarter than I look. Uh, if you go to the website thatcomedianwasfunny.com it comes to me <laughs> so uh, <laughs> nah, if you forget man. my name <laughs> nice it's
0: like um, thatcomedianwasfunny.com cool yeah Nice. And, that's,
2: yeah. that's quite brilliant one of the funnier uh interactions with a parent i had i did a show for the seacoast Spartans. um okay. and i tuned up this all these kids that came in you know one looked like uh the singer from hanson he look like uh, Ozzy Osbourne or something. Yeah, I yeah, end up yeah. refereeing that team the week later. Oh, right? nice. And I hear a guy from the stands yell, You're a much better comic than a ref. I <laughs> <And laughs> just turn and awesome. go, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, like, what, you know what I mean, thanks for yeah, that, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, like, it's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. I'd, I'd say that we have more, but I think we got to leave it there. Uh, you know, stay tuned next time. I'm sure that we'll, uh, we'll want you on again. Uh, you know, springtime talk about, uh, talk about more stuff, talk about, uh, what's coming next. And, uh, well
1: definitely yeah. uh, maybe one of these days we just need to get on like you and junior and a couple others and just do like a sit down story time, uh, style In,
0: an intro to your podcast yeah i'd be like hey
2: th- like these guys yeah know, that would it's... be uh that would be good i probably some of the stories we have um well i, I mean i, I names have ton- and locations will have to be changed to protect the <laughs> yeah, people involved. To protect, well, protect the guilty <laughs> yeah luckily my memory isn't great um <laughs> so I don't always remember names of people but That's uh awesome. yeah we we there are some stories out there that um you just can't make up, you no. know, you just can't, you just can't make up. They're just too funny. And uh, a lot of them are in the movie script and a lot of them I talk about on stage. So uh, yeah. when I, you know, when I get a uh-huh. hockey crowd, it's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, well, any I mean, you good hockey jokes? <laughs> no. uh, well, uh, what am I, what, well, I'll share. minutes. <laughs> I'll end with this. No, they're, they're stories. That's the funny thing. Hockey Night in Boston's this big tournament up here, right? Now yeah. it's not as big now. I mean, it's big, but back in the day, Gino played actually uh, young Gino played. Matter of fact, one of his uh, most vivid memories was a kid on his team and a kid on the other team were like whacking each other after a whistle. And I just said, Hey, if you want to fight, go ahead and do it. Take off the helmets and let's do it like men. And both kids looked at me and were like, yeah, we're good. And uh, (laughs) it was the most brilliant move I ever saw. But that's not the story. The story is back in the day, I'm a legend in that tournament as a ref because there was a kid who played with one arm, right? He was an incredible athlete. He was a pitcher in baseball, and he played D on hockey. He's a great skater. And so I'm doing the game, and I put my arm up for a penalty. I blow the whistle. I go over to the box, and uh, a guy by the name of Jimmy Pryor Anyone who has anything to do with Massachusetts high school hockey will recognize that name. He's behind the glass. And I said, Jimmy, I got number eight red for a hold. And he said, you're kidding me. And I go, no, why? And he goes, that's the one arm kid. And I was like, <laughs> shit, I can't change it to a cross check. And so the kid, the kid comes out of the box. And he's like, you're – and I go, hey, I don't know how you did it, but you dragged him down. So <laughs> – fast forward like 10 years ago i'm doing a show and the kid is in the audience oh no way and i tell the story and he came up to me afterwards and he goes listen i gotta i gotta shake your hand because you were the only ref that had the balls to call me for holding because <laughs> <So> i tackled everyone so i'm a legend and I just that's go, well, awesome
0: that is awesome Awesome. I don't I, we're not getting any better. We just got to leave it here, Ross. We just got to leave <laughs> okay. it here cuz I'm not getting any well, better than that.
2: On that note, uh Mark, any final thoughts? Uh this is awesome, man. Uh I think this is a great podcast and um and uh I mean this particular one was great cuz I'm on it, but um yeah. well, it was well, I think the educational piece and 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 all that stuff bringing it in and mixing it with stories and stuff. You guys are doing an awesome job. Keep up the work, man, cuz this awesome. is uh it's a great stuff.
0: Well, we oh, couldn't do it without guys like you, man. Like, just so thank you, thank you for coming out and and, and doing what you do, because because you know it's awesome. It is awesome, and it means a lot to us. It means a lot to everybody. So, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. The,
1: the I biggest appreciate the biggest issue we have right now in officiating is the loss of the shared knowledge. Um, obviously retention is the biggest, but one yeah. of the other biggest things is the the loss of the shared knowledge. So the fact that like on Monday nights you take your time out of your day and you know, some of the other guys too, that have been around and we do these, those Monday night calls with Gene. Um, that's huge because, you know, we're sharing that knowledge there. And then now this podcast too, the shared knowledge, the communication piece that we discussed with you. Um, it's huge. And and hopefully uh, our listeners have, have learned some things. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, get a link to your socials in, uh in the description of the podcast, and uh, I'll also get it, or me or Nat, will post the uh, that the list you made uh, in in the Facebook group. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. Um, um, that... with that, Mark, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, Nat's been Nat, the Air Force, been pilot doing cool yeah. stuff, and Weird. Uh, yeah. I'm Ross, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Team Stripes podcast.